Welcome to the Service Academy Sorority, a space where women that have graduated from the service academies can share their stories and build a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood. This episode features Ashley Keller, a 2010 graduate from the U.S. Military Academy. In this episode, you'll hear about Ashley's desire and commitment to serve, as well as a few difficult decisions she had to make to stay true to herself, including giving up the opportunity to pursue a path towards the Olympics. You'll also learn why Ashley eventually decided to leave the military and how she evolved from being an army engineer to a mother with a super successful YouTube channel. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Thanks, Victoria. Can you start off by telling everyone where you're from, what school you went to, and when you graduated? Sure. I'm from Maine originally. I went to West Point and graduated in 2010. And since then, I've been in North Carolina for the last about 12 years. Nice. And can you give everybody one to two lines about who you are today? I am a mom of three with one on the way. Um, I am a prenatal, postnatal exercise specialist and women's exercise specialist. I guess I'm a YouTuber. I never thought I would use that word YouTuber, but I started while I was still in the army making YouTube videos for free. And now it has just evolved into my full-time job and I love it. Interesting. Well, there's definitely a story there. So you're like, kind of like an influencer. (laughs) I guess so. I don't know if I like that word, but I guess that's like what it is for good or for bad or hopefully it's for good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely hear about that whole journey, but to start, (laughs) uh, let's go back to the beginning when you were deciding where to go to college, uh, what made you choose a service Academy and what made you specifically choose West Point? I think I really had this urge to be challenged in some capacity. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't the one who grew up with like West Point in my wall or, army on my wall. It's not something that little girl Ashley had always dreamed of or thought I'd do. It was something that I learned about later on in high school and was recruited to run for West Point. And that's when I really learned what it was, what it meant upon graduation that, you know, you owe your service commitment that you will serve, that that will be your job. It's a guaranteed job. And, um, your service time doesn't have to be 20 years. You know, I I knew that I could get out after five if it wasn't for me, but I thought that it would be, um, a good way to keep me on track and, um, and be more the person that I want to be. I really admired what West Point represented, which is they represent duty on our country, doing the right thing when no one's watching, being loyal. being truthful. And I really respected that. And I feel like if I went to a different college, maybe I could have struggled with those things and not really turned out to be the person that I wanted to be. So I craved that structure and, um, wanted to serve in some capacity for at least a season in my life. Mm. So you were a distance runner in high school? Yes. Okay. Okay. Were you a pretty structured person in high school already? Um, I would, Kind of. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. What was the reaction um, to your decision to even look at the academies at that time? Mm. My mom definitely did not want me to go. She sent my brother with me. She refused to bring me to the school <laughs> to go visit it. You know, when you're a junior in high school and you're you're driving around to all the potential schools you might go to. So she sent my brother and my older brother to bring me to dissuade me from going. 
And I fell in love with it. And I was like, this is where I want to go. I don't even want to apply anywhere else. Of course, that's you know, young, naive Ashley being like, I only want to apply here. But that's really how I felt. I only wanted to go there. And um, I think it was a game changer to go visit in person and experience kind of what it's like to stay with a kid at for a couple of nights and, you know, see if it's for you or not before you just go full throttle into it. Yeah. Yeah. So you did an overnight there and you said you were recruited yeah. for running. So mm-hmm. were you, I know you were kind of, once you saw the school, you were pretty committed internally to going to West Point, but did you consider the other academies at all? Um, nope. I wanted to do army. <laughs> I guess I was set on that. Now, now that I'm older, I would have been like, man, air force looks good. Like Navy has lots of good things, but at, at a young age, I just didn't put the time or research into um, the other academies. I think that one was the closest to home to me. That was in New York and I grew up in Maine. So that was an appeal. And I just thought that the army would be really fun to do mm-hmm. all the, the things on the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was, was it a rare thing for someone from your school in Maine to go to West Point? Yeah. I didn't know anybody who had went before. <laughs> Did you, yeah. was it rare for you when uh, we uh, went to yeah. Yeah. It okay. was rare to go to the Merchant Marine Academy, but yeah. it wasn't rare to go to like West Point or anything like that. Okay. Um, but it was rare to go to the Merchant Marine Academy and it was definitely rare for a woman to go. Yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah. But, but for you, it was, you didn't know anybody. No, I didn't know anybody. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh my goodness. Um, so, so you just were introduced to the recruiter, like the recruiter came up to you and wanted you for running. So then you just started looking at it. That was your junior year. Yeah. I would say that was junior year, maybe late sophomore year, somewhere in between that time. Yeah. Yeah. And so the plan was that you were going to apply, get in and then do your four years and then serve at least for a little bit and kind of figure it out after that. Yeah. I, I knew I was definitely committed to, you know, doing my obligation time. And then I didn't know what life would look like at that time. I was just kind of like, Hey, I can reassess once I hit the five-year mark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now the, the application process and and that whole thing was that was there were any struggle there or was it pretty straightforward for you? I think having a coach help recruit me that probably made it, made it more straightforward. Um, She very clearly laid out like the, you must do all these things. You must do them on time. If you don't, you don't get in, you know, it's just like black and white. So, Mm. um, I don't think that it was anything too bad. It's, it's lengthy and it's time consuming, but of course the academies don't want to waste their time on people who aren't committed or serious about it because they're going through so many thousands of applications. They don't want people who are willing to put in the time and who are serious about it. So, yeah, yeah. I really mind that part. Yeah. Well, some people have random things pop up, you know, like medical issues or you mm. know, who knows, or their SAT scores. So sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, but that's good. It sounds like it was, you know, it's never easy for anyone. Right. I mean, it's a lot yeah. of steps. Yeah. I wasn't the smartest, but I, I guess I was just smart enough probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, and, and your school, were they pretty enthusiastic about you going there when they found out? Yep. My school was very supportive. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And so you said your mom was not a huge fan of the idea um, initially, no. but yeah, but when you, well, well, first of all, was that a struggle the whole time or did she eventually get on board? Um, it's a struggle as much as, you know, you're a teenager and you want the, you want the approval of your parents, but you're also in a 
in a season where you're like, Hey, I'm just going to do what I want because you're a teenager. You know, you think, you know, the best. So I think I felt bad because I knew that she didn't want her little girl to die was her fear, you know, die in war, which is mm. a real fair, you know, post nine 11, like that's when we're all entering. Everybody knows like you're going to Iraq, you're going to go to Afghanistan, you're going to go somewhere. And, uh, mm. most likely at that time, if you're joining the army, that's, that's your fate. So I think that was her fear and I respected that, but it was also not enough to be like, Hey, it's not going to change the trajectory of my life. I don't want to live in fear. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so, okay. Well, so you went for one visit mm-hmm. and you, and you really liked it. You fell in yes. love and you were kind of, it sounds like you were hooked. That was it. Yeah. And true to form, like many of us that applied to academies, we thought like all we need to apply to was that one school and we get in. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing, by the way. Oh, and you did? I did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me feel so, better. <laughs> so I get it. So obviously you really resonated with it, but you know, here you are fast forward and you show up on that first day. What was that like for you? Oh, I felt like I was going to get kicked out every day. I felt like I couldn't memorize all the knowledge that they wanted me to do, I would report incorrectly. My uniform wouldn't be tucked in in the correct corners. Didn't make my bed in the correct tightness or measurements that they wanted. Like every day I thought, this is it. Like they're going to kick me out. I'm going to be gone. Um, So it was very much, I was nervous, not as confident. And I think I was confident in high school. And I think uh, the summer it's called Beast at West Point, at least. And I know each each academy has their own initiation period that it definitely humbled me in a really good way. It showed me I am not the best at a lot of things. I'm actually really bad at a lot of things. And I need to learn how to get it together emotionally so that I wouldn't cry or feel criticized at every little thing that I might have done wrong or um, not in line with the standard and just learn and and fix it so that I could get in line with the standard. So it was a, a healthy summer of humility breakdown for me. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Now, but you are a runner. So was that mm-hmm. helpful at all, at least for, from the physical fitness standpoint? Yeah. I would think some days I would go to practice and think, well, at least I'm good at running because I'm clearly good yeah. at nothing else because they make you feel like you're just terrible at everything that you're dumb, incompetent. Um, and that's all part of the process, right? And I can see that now from a, a graduate standpoint, but when you're in the midst of it, it feels like you're drowning. Like you just can't keep your head up. You're exhausted. You're hungry. Mm-hmm. You're doing everything wrong. Um, so I was really grateful for running to have that outlet of friends that I could just go to and just be real with. Mm-hmm. Did you feel prepared? I mean, as prepared as you could feel, right? Like, did you feel like you kind of knew what you were getting yourself into or did you feel totally blindsided? I felt pretty ill-prepared. I was physically prepared, right? Because of athletic background. Like I was grateful that I, I came from a running background, but I was not prepared for strength. I wasn't prepared for shooting. I wasn't prepared for um, the memorization and like sleeplessness. Um, I don't think anyone should show up prepared though. Like you shouldn't put your body into a state of, oh, I've been wrecking you know, six miles a day with my rucksack, that's 40 pounds for the past couple of weeks. So you're going to, you're going to get breakdown. So it's nothing that you can necessarily prepare for. Um, it's more of learning how to adapt and just accepting that you're not going to know everything. You're not going to be able to do everything, but that's just the beginning. You're, you've got four years there. You're going to make massive improvements. 
Yeah. And part of the learning too, is like how to, you know, have that camaraderie with the people around you and lean on them a little bit, you know? Okay. But so you made it through that first summer, right? Obviously. Um, and it seems like you, yeah, that was, it was hard, but you made it through and the school year started. Right. And so how did that transition go for you entering the academic year and what was your mindset? How did you feel? Academics were difficult. So I came from a, you know, a full A's, like every A and every subject type of student in high school to the point where it's like, great if I make a B. So it was challenging. I remember I needed extra help. It's called AI, like additional instruction for some courses in mathematics, calculus, um, physics, chemistry, those type of courses. And it was um, full-time, like no time for leisure, like reading magazines or watching movies or just chilling out. Um, I think when you're an athlete and you're going to an academy, your time is not your own anymore. And you're kind of um, just surviving, just like keep passing, keep memorizing, keep like spitting it all up for tests um, to keep up with your sports and get like some amount of sleep is uh, kind of a rat race for a while until you until you learn how to be more efficient with your time. Mm. Now, when you, when you started to get into academics, were you clear with what you wanted to do and what you wanted to study? Or was that still a little uncertain in the beginning? Yeah, I was still uncertain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So if you had to sum up your time at the Academy in one word, what would it be? Mm, Growth. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm sure we're going to hear more about that as we learn more about your time at the <laughs> Academy and how you got to where we are now, but what, what does that mean to you? Growth in what way? Growth as in, um, learning leadership growth as in learning how to, um, learn how to, um, learn and be able to use it, learn from other people, growth, um, spiritually growth in my friendships, I think that the Academy forges friendships that you cannot get anywhere else because you are on such a struggle together that you, you need each other essentially to get through. And you'll always remember those friendships. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like I'll always remember um, those girls and guys that I was really close to and have stayed in contact with a few of them. And um, it just is a huge change. I think from high school, Ashley to um, Academy graduate, Ashley. So that's why I'd say growth in a good way, in a, in a, I struggled a lot kind of way. And it helps you grow because Mm -hmm. you, you get through that struggle. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that about like friendships and stuff, because I know as you get older and as you have distance from the Academy, uh, it's weird. You find yourself, I mean, maybe you find yourself too, but like, I find myself going back to those relationships more and more from the Academy. Cause there's just like this bond that's kind of unbreakable, even if you don't see them for years you still feel like you went through something similar and it's hard to really find that in any other area of life, you know, afterwards. So yeah, yeah, I definitely get that. Um, All right. So what were some of the highlights and the most memorable moments of your time at the Academy? Mm, Athletics was much more fun for me than academics. um, Athletics were my high. I um, ended up learning how to reach half on And they had some of the best coaches that I, you know, you could possibly have access to that I would not have had the money to afford otherwise. And they were able to, um, 
to build me up in each, in each sport. So swim, bike, run is what it is for triathlon. So I went to the swim coach for help and I had the track coach and, um, a triathlon coach for biking and being surrounded by other really motivated people, mostly men, right? Cause women are the mi- minority. So people who are better than you in each area of sport really helped. So the Academy helped me, um, be able to race professionally for team USA and, had the chance to go to uh, the world-class athlete center for triathlon upon graduation to train for the um, Olympics, which is four years away at the time. So there's just opportunities that I, I wouldn't have been able to travel internationally. I wouldn't even been able to buy a nice bike or had access to good coaches or been able to push, be pushed in that level without other um, cadets and community that supported that and fostered that. I think it would have been too easy to just like fall into like, a partying, you know, a complete partying lifestyle or just like lackadaisical or not have any purpose or focus at a different college. So I really appreciated that. And I'm grateful for that. And it was a, like a high and memories that I'll always take with me that the academy, that the academy really gave me. Mm-hmm. So friendships, your access to different resources to pursue a variety of things athletically. Um, and I know mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to hear more about that for sure. Um, were there any specific moments or trips you took or anything that really stands out to you? Yeah, it was, I took a trip to Guatemala. They call them, um, AIDs and basically it's like advanced summer training opportunity. And that was an opportunity to, um, study the water supply there and help the local people and check on their, their wells, because that's the source of their water. So we went there for about 12 days, spoke some Spanish, uh, a little Portuguese. I study Portuguese. Everyone has to study a language at the academy. And it was just a really fun trip that that stood out to me. That's pretty cool. That seems pretty unique. I mean, I haven't heard that before. So um, that's the one thing I always appreciate, appreciate about the academies is everybody has like, even though it's like a very similar system that you go through, everybody yeah. has these little like moments where they do something totally random. I'm like, Oh, that's yeah, awesome. that's true. And they're cool, like really cool experiences. So um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so you said you studied Portuguese. What was your major? It was um, it's called dirt, which is a funny, a funny major. Basically it's, it's human geography. It's a study of people and places and why they have the problems in the places they do. So I specialized in the Middle East because that's where um, our wars were centralized and then also Africa. And um, yeah, I really liked it. I had to choose an easier major. So if you if you go to West Point, you're like, hey, that's one of the easier majors because I wanted to be able to um, rank high enough to get a branch that I wanted. And if I chose a, a really difficult major, there's no way that I would have been able to rank high enough in like school academic standings in order to get my first choice for uh, branching, which is like your job once you're in the military. Interesting. Yeah. So, so when did you start to realize you needed to make that kind of decision for yourself? And like, when did you choose your major? Mm, It's forced after you graduate your sophomore year, you have to make a decision. And so that's when, that's when you choose. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I guess you could tell at that point where your strengths were with academics and where your weaknesses were. So right. kind of, yeah, gotcha. Okay. And now were you clear, like, what was the plan with that major? What was the plan? What were you going to do with that major? I had no idea. I was like, my mom was like, Hey, you're not going to be able to get any job with that. What are you doing? And <laughs> my plan was just like, as long as I get a branch that I'm interested in, like, I'm going to be happy because I'm entering the army. I'm not entering the civilian world where my major 
needs to translate over into exactly my job because you're learning skills that are are different at an academy versus a regular school. You're learning leadership, you're learning management, you're Mm. learning to have foresight for strategy. Um, So I knew that I was learning skills that would be helpful in just life and it didn't have to line up for a specific job. And I kind of still feel that way. I feel like I didn't need to go to college for a certain major. Now I do business, right? I've never been to business school. That's okay. But I have the mindset. You can teach yourself anything. Like you can learn anything you want. And I think uh, West Point helped foster that, that you can learn it on your own because you had to learn things on your own before you showed up to class was the way their um, Mm -hmm. curriculum works, the theory method. Yeah. I mean, especially being on YouTube, I mean, you can learn anything on YouTube these days, right? Sure. (laughs) But, but that's okay. So you obviously that though, you obviously knew what branch you wanted to go into, right? That's what it sounds like. Um, no, I didn't really decide till I was a a senior in my final year. Okay. But you, you just had the, I knew what I didn't want to do though. (laughs) I was not interested in, I was like, I can't get that job. I'll be miserable. That kind of feeling. Gotcha. So you wanted to have a little bit more control and say, right. (laughs) I gotcha. I've never heard of that before. Dirt. That's kind of interesting, (laughs) but, uh, and, but, but now the Guatemala experience makes a little more sense. Was that part of that Mm -hmm. program? It was. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's, That's really cool. All right. Well, so were there any lowlights of your time at the academy? Yes. Yep. Um, there was one morning that I almost quit. I was at my wits end and it was right before a couple of weeks before you need to make the decision. And the, the decision is like, am I staying or am I leaving? And if you decide to stay and you end up quitting after that, you owe them financially, like you will pay and uh, you don't just get off the hook. So it's a big decision. And I woke up during field training in the summer. It was very cold that morning and wet. My tent failed, you know, woke up in soaking water. All my clothes and my rucksack were wet, boots were wet, feet were all shriveled up and soggy and blistering. And I did not know what I was doing. I was like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I here and forcing myself to do this? This is terrible. Um, It was definitely like a low, low. But I didn't stay wet all day. We got up, you know, ended up changing into um, a shorts and, t- and t-shirts, like a PT uniform is what we called it, and ended up drying off and life got better. But that was definitely a, if I had to sign the paper in that moment, it would have been, I'm out of here. Like, I am done with this. So I'm, I'm grateful that that wasn't the time where you had to make a decision on coming or going. But that was a, a low, low of, is this what I really want to do with my life type of feeling? Is this how it's going to be every day in the army? And of course it's not, but when you're still a cadet, you don't really know what army life will look like. Mm. So how did you, how did you get through that? And what changed your mindset after that? I just felt like God was saying, nope, this is where you need to be. You just need to stay here and it'll get better. And so I just listened to God and I was like, okay, I'll stay here and uh, have faith that gets better. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough one. I, cause I know, yeah. I know how that can feel like when you're really at the bottom, bottom of the barrel there and mm-hmm. feeling really low. Um, and also just physically uncomfortable, like physical discomfort really puts your mind in a whole nother place. Yeah. It weighs on you after a while. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, which everybody that goes to an Academy understands clearly, but, yeah. um, interesting, but obviously you stayed and it sounds like you feel good about that decision, but, um, so you stayed and then you, at that point, you also had your major picked. 
So when did you start to hone in on what you wanted to do post-graduation? I I didn't decide until senior year. That's when you have the chance to um, make a choice. I actually didn't even do it for myself. I was away that weekend racing. So a teacher did it for me. They go up and you, you pick your top three, what you want to do. Um, I chose engineer and ended up getting engineer. So I was happy, happy to do that. I felt like it was the most fun job I could do as a woman in the army. Um, now since I've graduated, other jobs have opened up that were not available to women when I graduated in 2010, which I think is really cool. But in 2010, I thought that would be the most fun job for me. So I'm glad that I got it. So tell me more about that. Like, um, what was, what did you think you'd be doing? Like, what does an engineer in the army do when you, when you choose that as your Mm, Yeah. So they do a whole bunch of different things. They do everything from route clearance. And that means you're like the first people to go up and check out a bomb or to make sure that there's no bombs in the road. They do airfield repair. So if the enemy bombs big holes in an airfield, then you have, uh, you're in charge of all the large equipment that flattens out the airfield and like recovers it really quickly so that you can get um, people landing rapidly in any type of like terrain um, geospatial, they do mapping and then they just do regular construction, like people who make sidewalks and build buildings and make obstacle courses. They do a wide range of things, none of which I was an expert in, but none of which you need to be an expert in as the officer on the team. You're more looking towards your, your warrant officer on the team who is that technical expert. Hmm. So, um, so I felt intimidated that I'm like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And you're going to put me in charge of people who this is their job. Um, so that's how I, that's how I felt as a cadet, but mm. I knew, I knew lots of different possibilities kind of awaited. That's so interesting. It, it's like, I know that may have been a weird question to you, but like going to the Merchant Marine Academy, like being an engineer means something very different, um, Okay, you know, cause like you're sailing on ships. So yeah, um, yeah you, you serve, you could be in any branch of the military, but then you're either a deck officer or an engineering officer. And like, when you're an engineer, it very literally means like you're an engineer, like in an engine room, <laughs> so, oh, oh, like, man. like working with your hands. Like, so, you know, it's just, it's just interesting. I, I, I know, like, I just knew that it was different. So I wanted to hear your description of that, but, but that yeah, is, I wouldn't have known from Merchant Marine side either. I would have had no idea. Oh yeah. It's very, I mean, it's what you think of when you think of like a hands-on engineer, like, you know, fixing a big giant you know, engine, like diesel engine or something. (laughs) That's pretty intimidating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very, like when you're a cadet, um, and you go out to sea during your time at the Academy, if you're an engine cadet, like you're literally in an engine room learning how to fix things and you know, all that stuff. So, (laughs) yeah, but, uh, so senior year, you got engineer, that's what you picked. Um, were there any other lowlights at the Academy that you wanted to, to share before we move on? Um, no, no particular lowlights. I think coming back from Christmas each time or coming back from summer was almost like a sinking in my stomach. Like, Oh, like I need to do this again, like turn it back on, like really work hard again. So Mm. if anybody listening is in an Academy or considering going to Academy, I just want to share that that is a very real feeling that I think a lot of cadets go through. And it doesn't mean that this isn't for you or that this is the end of your time. It just is this is a reality of what you're doing is really hard, but I wouldn't have chosen any other path. Like now that I'm done, I was like, I'm so glad I did it. Even though it was really hard during those four years. Yeah. And it can feel like, because home is so like 
well, for many people, it's like warm and cozy and familiar. And, and then like, it's just such a stark difference going back to the academy and you're like really in it all yeah. day, every day. It's so, uh, yeah, it makes it, I, I just got like a little sick to my stomach. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> but but yeah it's true that that is a really that is definitely some low moments there going back to the academy I can understand that um okay so uh and I guess the last question about the academy itself um just being a woman you know did that show up in any capacity for you at the academy with any of your experiences was it like in the forefront of your mind in any way oh yeah every day yeah um, you're always the minority, right? It doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but you have this pressure self-induced most of the time that you have to prove yourself um, because you're a woman in er- all areas, in your physical capabilities, in how you maintain your composure and how you speak, how you show up on time or not, or how you do things correctly, your professionalism. I think it gave me an advantage because it made me work a little harder. I think if I were a man, I would have just been like, yeah, I'm doing good enough, you know, but as a woman, mm. it's just like, no, good enough's not good enough. You better be like, you better be performing at the top. You better work your butt off to do so because it's not easy. So I think, you know, being a minority in that, in that capacity, as far as being a woman was, was an advantage. And I think a lot of female graduates, um, might, might resonate with that. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. So you used it to drive you more than you did to let it hold you back in any capacity. Yeah, for sure. So no other situations though, where it came up that you were a woman. I mean, that's, I kind of get that undertone the entire time you're there. I understand that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no other situations where it was like maybe thrown in your face in any negative way. You kind of just felt like it was just a thing that you had to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. I'd say it's more more thing I had to deal with on a daily basis. I'm sure some people have to deal with like direct discrimination or something. I never felt that. I wasn't harassed. I don't think because I'm a woman, um, it was just an ongoing of like, people look at you differently because you're a woman. So yeah, you better be doing awesome kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, okay. So, all right. So you made it to graduation. Um, uh, how did your mom feel at that point? I mean, were you communicating? I'm assuming you were communicating with her the entire time <laughs> you were there at the academy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. My, 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 my parents are supportive. They're very supportive. They showed up to graduation and everything. And we're, you know, they're proud at that point. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. Um, and where, what was the plan now? So you get to graduation and where were you headed? What was the next step supposed to be for you? Yeah. Graduation was like very monumental for me because I was, um, engaged. My husband, Luke was in Iraq at this time. So he was a graduate two years prior to me deployed to Iraq. And he was about six months into a nine month deployment. And he told me he'd be there for graduation. So I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't even know if he's here. Um, there was a huge volcano going on in Europe at that time. And we didn't, he didn't have a cell phone. Like, it's not like we had international cell phone service then. And so I just didn't know if he was sitting in the stands. And I was like, I really hope he's here. Our plan was to leave, um, you know, the day after graduation and get married in Florida on a beach, go honeymoon in Costa Rica. And then he would fly back to Iraq and I would fly, I would fly back to the States and get ready for my, my summer army training, um, to be an engineer officer. So that was a very much like, I hope he's here. I want to marry this man. I've been waiting for two years. Um, so he was there, he ended up being in the stands and, you know, came down and found me after, but it was a very, 
like extremely joyful day for me and rewarding. And um, I was definitely like, crying and knew to wear like waterproof mascara to that graduation. Cause I was just <laughs> full of all the emotions of like knowing that I'm done and onto um, a new, a new chapter. Ooh, that sounds like a major highlight. Oh my goodness. Uh, so you, so he was two years older than you. Um, yeah. Ooh, yeah, that was a highlight that had to have been a highlight meeting him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So that's awesome. So is that what ended up happening then? So he was there and yep. you flew to Costa Rica, I think you said, and got married. That's yeah. What- yeah. We flew to Florida, like where he grew up, got married there on the beach, you know, with the pastor that he grew up with kind of thing. And then we went to Costa Rica to honeymoon before he had to uh, go back to Iraq. Oof. Nice. That sounds amazing. Okay. So he went back to Iraq and then what did you do? What was your career? Like lay out your career after that. I, um, did engineer training, which is in Missouri and then went to four bag and then stayed at four bag my entire time in the army and did several different things as an engineer early as an engineer in the army. I was told that I couldn't be my pl- a platoon leader anymore. My platoon had only been two months after they had just got back from deployment because they had made a decision that women can't be combat engineers anymore. So that was a time when it, it went backwards, right? Because it was like for a season, women were allowed to be combat engineers for a couple of years. And then they decided politically at a much higher level than my unit, um, a general somewhere decided that women should not be combat engineers anymore doing route clearance. So I got removed from that position, um, which to me was very shocking. I was like, this is not fair. Like I just showed up here. Everything is going fine. Like nothing went wrong um, on my part or with my platoon or anything. But again, it was a much, it was a large army issue, not a little, little Fort Bragg, Bragg, you know, Ashley Keller issue. So, um, that was my first, like, whoa, this is what happens from a woman. Okay. So hold on. That's a big deal. So you were trained as a combat engineer. That's what you chose at West point, right. To be an engineer. And, Mm -hmm. and now you're trained as a combat engineer. And now all of a sudden, just one day you're like, you can't do this anymore. Yeah. One day they're like, Hey, you're going to move to this construction platoon instead. You're, you're going to move down here instead. And so I was like, bam, lost my platoon. A dude comes in, you know, another 22 year old guy comes like, takes my place. He's now the platoon leader. And, um, and I moved to a, um, an airfield repair, which I kind of described before I moved to that type of platoon. Oh my goodness. Like Ashley, that's rough. It was rough. Yeah. Yeah. I was just surprised that the army went back kind of back in time like that is what I would call it. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you feeling at that point about like just your commitment to the army and everything you've been through? Uh, I feel like they were behind in time. I was like, what is this? <laughs> this is 2010. What is wrong? Yeah. What is wrong here politically? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were you still like, what was your mindset when that happened? Were you still motivated and excited to at least do something different with engineering or how are you feeling? I wasn't that excited. No, but yeah. you don't get to choose your position either or your job. Exactly. You mm-hmm. just get told what you're doing. So it's, um, yeah, it was just like, you're kind of put in a situation be like, okay, this is your platoon now. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just a shift of focus, learning how to do that job, which is a different type of engineering job and just, just kind of roll with it. So, yeah. um, everything was fine. I wouldn't say I, like had a long grudge or was mad at the commander or anything like that. I was just kind of defeated. And I was like, this is, this is super backwards. Yeah. Actually, well, 2011. Yeah. It's also like in the wrong direction. 
Well, it's also backwards for what you just described as your experience at West Point, not really ever feeling outright limitations or discrimination for being a woman at West Point and then going yeah. right into the army and then feeling a very direct hit. With oh, like, yeah. 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 There's definitely more discrimination in the army, I would say, than at the academy, for sure. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's not easy to hear, but not surprising. Um, okay. So, so you shifted focus. And so then tell me what ended up happening next. I, um, drove around some heavy equipment, which I never thought I would do like big tractors and scoop loaders and rollers. And that's kind of what I was in charge of a platoon who were all experts at driving that type of equipment and doing, um, airborne operations. So we jumped out of airplanes a lot. They really encouraged it. I didn't, I didn't love it. I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to jump out of an airplane. But it was my um, my platoon's mission to push big trucks, um, engineering equipment out of airplanes first, and then you jump after. So you have to like rig up big trucks with parachutes, and then they roll out of the airplane, and then you jump after onto the airfield. And then once you get down onto the ground, you have to go unwrap the trucks and vehicles and make them operational so you can fix runways. So that was my job for a couple of years. Okay. So I just want to say that, like, that sounds really cool. <laughs> like, I know, I know, like, it's probably just like par for the course, maybe in the army. But for me, I'm like, oh, that's pretty awesome. You get to jump out of a plane after it's some major equipment. Like, that's pretty cool. Maybe not what you thought you were going to be doing, but, you know, <laughs> you know, interesting nonetheless. Okay. So you did that for a couple of years. Now you said you were in, um, you've been in North Carolina for 12 years, I think you said. Um, n- let me say, well, since 2010, it's 11 years, 11, it's been 11, 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's 2021. So like, yeah. yeah, math, but, um, okay. So 11 years. Um, so you're still in the army. I'm not, I got out at five and a half years. Okay. So, so um, after one deployment and one baby in and one on the way. So I was super pregnant with baby number two Riker. That's when I got out. Okay. So you did that one job for two ish years. What did you do after that? Yeah. After that, I did a different type of engineering. Basically we just did construction jobs around Fort Bragg, um, such as like sidewalks. We worked on some buildings, um, that kind of stuff. And then, um, I did Mm. a deployment with a different unit as a cultural support team. And that was, um, nine months to Afghanistan. I was attached as a female searcher and interrogator to the 75th Ranger Regiment. Um, out in Washington and to SEAL Team 6. So I was just attached to JSOC. I wasn't part of special operations. I wasn't special forces, um, was not a ranger, just an attachment so that when we raided um, high value targets at night, then it was very inappropriate for men to talk to women. Um, the the Afghanis we were with, their version of special special operations did not want our men talking to them um, or talking to their children. So it was almost an essential role filled. I was in the third class I had ever done it. And we were paired up with, um, and I was paired up with another woman. You always have one woman as your partner. And our job was to section off all of the women and kids on target and then work through them one by one to make sure that they didn't have any weapons on them. And then to question them so you can essentially determine who the bad guy is so that you take the correct man off because all the men know to lie to the men on target. And they're just going to lie to the task force, you know, say he doesn't live here. They don't know him. You're in the wrong place. You're crazy. Um, and then we never know who to take off target. 
So, um, so yeah, they kind of used us to find out using, using images, using photos, talking to children to find out like who we're actually there for and take the correct man or men off target in order to be further interrogated back on base. So that was my mission for, um, for nine months. Ooh, that's crazy. Wow. I like, that is so different than what you were doing like five minutes ago. So (laughs) (laughs) not engineer related anymore. Yeah. No, no, that's crazy. Oh man. So I'm sure there's a lot you can't say, but like, um, did you, how did you feel doing that job? Did you find yourself in any intense situations? Uh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. I'd I'd imagine so. My goodness. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Um, we didn't, um, I was definitely shot at many times and, um, as support people, we weren't there to return fire. So of course we had a weapon on, like we had a rifle and pistol all the time. Um, we were armed, but the intent wasn't for us to be the fighters or, um, the killers, right. Or the snipers or anything like that. So usually when, if we got into a gunfight, like we would be like flat on the ground, like pancakes, like behind a rock, taking cover, um, kind of waiting for it to die down. Um, and then we had great like air support as well that could help from above. So that was really an advantage that the U S has great resources. And I felt that like grateful for that when I was on the ground in the middle of like nowhere desert with rocks everywhere Yeah, um, that we had air support and, um, mm. and help. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, did you feel prepared for that role? Mm somewhat mm-hmm. yeah I, I guess I went through an assessment I went through training for it um yeah. Yeah. I had my husband's very good at shooting and he really taught me when I graduated the academy I was pretty bad like pretty terrible still at shooting because there's not a lot of time to practice and that's something that I wish um West Point could have done better is that offer cats more time because you should come out as a leader like you should come out great at shooting mm-hmm. and I came out bad like to the point where I was like going to fail um my target shooting assessment. It was super embarrassing. And, um, yeah, had Luke not taught me like at one-on-one time of like, this is how you can, this is how you shoot. Well, I wouldn't have went on that deployment with confidence at all. So I think mm. having that time and just like years under my belt helped versus having a deployment like that immediately upon graduation, I wouldn't have been prepared at all. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Huh? All right. So, so you make it through that nine month deployment and yep. <laughs> which seems like it was a pretty intense deployment. Um, then what? Cause you gotta be pretty close to then deciding to get out. Right. Yeah. Then I had about, um, a year and a half left. I'd say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I was like, Hey, I survived. Let's have a baby. So I'll come home. Yeah. Um, got pregnant like shortly after that. And, uh, you know, several months after, and then, um, yeah, I had my first baby while I was in the army, which is his own experience of being like a woman in the army. And you have to, pack a pump when you go on an airborne operation. And I remember telling the bus driver, like, Hey, this is just my lunchbox. I really need to have it on the ground when I get there, because I didn't want, you know, this 18 year old kid to be embarrassed that I have like breast milk and pumps and everything in my cooler. Um, so that's its own experiences, like being a mother in the army, like a new mother who has to pump every three hours or else you get mastitis or your supply dries up. And, um, you know, you don't want to be the one who has to like dip out of a meeting because you need to go pump. So it's, it's finding that balance, kind of a new season in the military career, I guess, of finding balance as a mother 
and then as a working professional too. So that lasted for, um, for almost two years. And, um, we, it was too many deployments. My husband was deploying a lot and I just didn't want to both be deploying still and have kids. So I made a decision like, Hey, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get out (laughs) and, um, yeah, I want to have kids and just like be there for them. Um, had we not both had a deployment cycle, that was a lot. It might've been more doable, but with our specific situation, it didn't, um, it didn't feel like the right call with no family around to help and stuff. Okay. So you make the decision to get out and you had one baby when you got out, correct? Correct. Yep. I was, um, due with number two. Okay. Due with number two. So that was in 2016, 15, 16 ish. Yeah. Right in the middle of 2015 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. See, I'm tracking now. All right. So, yeah, good job. <laughs> so now, okay. So I, you know, I heard things with like Olympics and training and all that kind of stuff. I remember you mentioning. So how did that all fit in with this timeline? That was a decision. That was a fork of a decision that I had to make upon graduation. It was like, take this opportunity as a brand new graduate and you're either going to go to Colorado and you're going to train for four years and try to earn enough points on the triathlon system to go to the Olympics. The army is going to pay you to do it. Um, but you need to go to Colorado, you know, to use their, their world-class athlete program is what it's called WCAP, um, which I know is available to other service Academy members too, when they qualify, or you can just get what, what you lined up for, go to Fort Bragg, North Carolina and be an engineer. So I, um, I ended up choosing the, just the platoon leader route. I was like, Hey, this is what I really trained for, for the past four years. I don't want to end my marriage as soon as it starts. And I think that would have been a, a deal breaker, um, deciding to move across the country by myself. I was already kind of injury prone. So that was always a risk too. Of like, Hey, do you go train for this? And then you get injured a year in and you can't do, you know, Olympic dreams that you'd put everything into. Um, and then I also just kind of felt guilty for it. I was like, I kind of, uh, wanted to serve my time that I had went to the Academy for and just be a platoon leader and do that like season of service. So I continue to race on my own and like smaller races, not at that level. Cause you don't have the time to train that much anymore. Um, so yeah, so that was like past me that decision of, Hey, are you going to go try to do the Olympics or not? That was past me. And then once I had two kids, I was like, no way do I want to be, um, exercising for 25 hours a week in order to <laughs> try to go to the Olympic yeah. game. It wasn't yeah. worth it. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair. I get that. Um, okay. So you're, you get out, you're, you have one baby, one on the way. What, mm-hmm. what happens next with your career trajectory? Your husband, is he still in the military? Like what happens during the next five years? Yep. Yep. Luke stayed in. He's still in right now. And we, um, I started YouTube when I was still in the military. So when I was pregnant with Gavin, my first, I was really frustrated by the lack of challenging prenatal workouts available online. I felt like they were all designed for, um, stretching and breathing and yoga and Pilates, which is great if that's your thing, but it wasn't my thing. I came from a former pro athlete background. I needed more intensity and I didn't have a lot of time like I used to. So I really wanted short, intense, safe prenatal workouts that would get the job done without having to work out for an hour. Um, so that's why I started. Cause I was like, well, you know what? There's probably somewhere in the world, some like-minded women who feel the same. And so I just started recording, um, in on post government housing on my countertop with a crappy camera and index cards, holding up that camera and just would record during lunch breaks while I was still in the military. I would like get out of my combat uniform and put on shorts and 
you know, put on some mascara and then uh, record my workout and then take it all off, get back in the combat uniform, go back to work. And so I didn't really expect it to turn into anything. Um, but it grew. And I guess there's just this demand for, Hey, Ashley, like we need a postpartum plan now. Like, what do I do post-pregnancy? And that's where I was like, wow, this is like, this is becoming a thing. I guess people really like my YouTube workouts. So I guess I'll keep doing this. So, um, I, uh, yeah, I just kind of continued down that route. I did certifications on my own for everything that I needed to be a personal trainer and prenatal and postnatal exercise specialist. And, um, so, so though, but that's a huge change, right? Like, so you leave, especially off the intensity of the deployment you went on and like combat engineer, like the, the whole world and life that you had, you know, been in, um, now you're a mom with your own YouTube channel, you know, kids running around, you know, and, and your husband, I'm assuming is he still deploys every now and then. Um, yeah. Yep. How, do, how did you, how do you feel about that? Like, how was that transition for you getting out and adjusting to this whole new lifestyle? For me, it went well because I was, um, I was ready to get out. I wasn't at the point where I was like, oh, I don't know if I should. I felt very at peace with it. Um, I didn't love my job anymore. I felt a lot of the inefficiencies of the army and, um, like lack of usage weighing on me. And I just wanted to, sometimes you just want to work hard and do, do good things. Right. Um, but when you're in a larger organization, sometimes you can't, and you just feel limited and you feel like your potential is limited. So I felt ready to just kind of be on my own and, um, have freedom of schedule. <laughs> so I think it was good, good timing for me. It probably also helped that we didn't leave the military community. So I still had my friends. We didn't get up and move, which would have been a harsher transition to handle. I was still in the same house. I still had my same friends. I just didn't have the same job. And I think making that transition to doing something else, whether, you know, people transition to school or to a different job or to volunteer a nonprofit, something needs to be there. It can't just be like, Hey, I do nothing now. Um, you know, motherhood would count, but it's like something needs to be there. It can't just be like, Hey, I'm out of the army. I'm done. Like you have to be able to pour yourself into something else. And I think having that helped me tremendously. Mm. Was it ever hard for you or is it ever hard for you, um, that your husband is still in and, you know, like, do you ever feel I don't know, inadequate or anything. If, if you're approaching people and, you know, he's, you know, he's still in the military. Does that bother you at all? Mm, I'd say the two feelings I've struggled with are jealousy and resentment, jealousy, forgetting the freedom of being like, Hey, you're going on this really cool deployment, um, by yourself. But then, um, but then also knowing the downside, like, Hey, I wouldn't want to deploy now. I have three kids and one on the way. Like I would feel so bad to leave them for that long that it would just weigh on me and I wouldn't really be happy. And I know it's something that like, he doesn't enjoy it anymore either. Like he's ready to be done deploying at this time. Um, he's done nine deployments in about 13 years. So, um, it's been a lot of deployments, probably more than most people do in that amount of time. And, um, but I and get that. I get yeah. that anger, then, that, 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 that jealousy of like, you get to go off and have your little adventure. Right. Or I'm like a free day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. you ate lunch with your yeah. friends today and nobody interrupted yeah. your adult talk. So that's where like jealousy and resentment come in, but I'm aware of those feelings. And I know that it's like something I just need to always work on and, um, that it doesn't have to be a comparison. It's like, 
we are a team. Um, you know, he's also very supportive of me when I want to go do races. Um, I took a 10 day trip to Montana and Idaho this summer by myself. So he's supportive of like, I still need to fly and be a butterfly and do fun things. Um, and so I think it's just that, that reminder of knowing that those feelings are normal, they pop up, but it's like, okay, I need to, you need to deal with them, not just brush them under the rug. And also, like you said beautifully before, um, the acknowledgement that like, even though everything's a sacrifice, everything has a sacrifice, right? Like you, while you may not be going on these deployments or whatever he's doing, and you may feel a little bit of anger and resentment, you get to be home with your kids. And that's actually what you want more, even though you had to give up something else for that. So I get that. Oh, I get it. I have an 18 month old, so I get it. Oh, oh <laughs> I awesome. ve- very much get it. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, so, so I understand though. I understand. Cause I think, you know, definitely being a service Academy graduate, like you're just as motivated as he is. Right. I mean, For you sure, have, yeah. you have that drive. So, um, but you found your ways. It sounds like you got your YouTube channel, which isn't a small channel. You have quite a bit of a following, right? So, well, well, Ashley, what's next for you then? Mm, yeah, I don't know. I think um, we have plans to, we're both very attracted to crisis situations. And when the kids are a little bit older, when Luke is out of the military, we have plans to serve in um, an organization called Free, Bam- Free Burma Rangers or Samaritan's Purse, which are both organizations that work in places like Kurdistan with the Yazidis, um, or helping build homes um, in Iraq, just as a, a showing love type of way, not a, we're here to fight type of way. And, um, yeah, so it'll be some sort of mission work in the future. I plan on doing glow body PT for quite a long time because, you know, older ladies will also need fitness training too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it'll be a different season. So I plan on doing it for a long time. I love it. I'm very happy. Um, and just empowering women to feel more confident is what it comes down to. Mm. But yeah, once we have the freedom, because when you're in the military, you can't just go to Iraq if you wanted to, or you can't go to Syria, you can't go to wherever you want. There are a lot of banned countries. Um, and then also we want our kids to be a little bit older, um, to be able to be there with us. We plan on taking them with us on those trips, starting out with just about three weeks in a summer, not being there for their whole summer break, but just for about a few weeks, we're going to serve. That's what we do as a family. Mm. And, um, and yeah, going from there. Mm, that sounds that's, that's kind of a next season step. It's kind of like a, a seven <laughs> yeah. year out plan, you know? Yeah. Well, how, yeah. How, how would you feel? Um, if you're, how old are your kids now? Um, mm. they're seven, five, two, and one to be born this fall. One to be born. Oh my gosh. By the way, yeah. congratulations on that. You're like, you're, Thanks. you're almost there. You had a yeah. few more months, right? Um, yep. so do you think you'd allow, or you'd want them to serve? Are you going to encourage them to serve and potentially go to an Academy? Oh yeah. Yeah. We tell them it's yeah. great. We always joke about it. We're like, we're going to tell them it was so fun. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Free school. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't feel any like, Hey, we're, I'm, we're not going to pressure our kids to do an Academy. You really, it has to be your own decision. You have to want to do it. It's not, it's just not a little like whimsical choice. It's like, if you're going to go, you know, yeah. m- like you got to do it because you want it, not because your parents did it or because you think your parents want you to. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't discourage it. I wouldn't tell them like, hey, you can't go there because you might die in war or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. I'd be like, okay, yeah. if you want to do it, it's a big decision. I support you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, you're, there are a lot of parents who do pressure their kids and it doesn't end well oftentimes. So I'm glad you have that perspective um, to let them make the decision. But it sounds like they're being raised to want to do that anyway, kind of like it's instilled in them based on your lifestyle and some of the things you guys are doing. So that's awesome. Um, so how do you currently feel about your decision to go to an academy? Oh, it was one of the best decisions in my life for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that experience at any other school and Mm. I wouldn't have been pushed in hard ways. I wouldn't have been made to feel uncomfortable in a good way, right. In a way that makes you grow as a person. Mm. So I'm really glad I went. Yeah. That's awesome. No regrets then, huh? No regrets about that. Yeah. All right, Ashley. So do you have any parting words for listeners, perhaps a key message to your fellow service Academy sisters? I would just remind you that it's really a team. I never felt like in competition with other women there. I mentioned that I kind of did with men that I felt like I had to work harder than them, but I feel like with the women um, that we're all just kind of holding each other up. And that really is like a sisterhood that lasts with you and is really rewarding. If you had the chance to um, go through an Academy or if you ever do get the chance to. Mm, I think that's awesome. I think uh, that's something a lot of women struggle with though. So I think that's good parting words. Um, All right. And what is one random fun fact about you? Hmm. At least skateboarding. It's something I learned this year. Thanks to my kids. I have a seven-year-old and five-year-old boy. They're both boys. And I wanted to be a cooler mom. They both like skateboarding. So I actually got a longboard, which is easier um, to do than a skateboard. It gives you better balance. And so that's just really fun. And I'm like proud that I tried to do it as a mom. And it's something I never would have done otherwise if I didn't have kids that, you know, wanted to, to do fun things with. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's so adventurous so, I'm like, of you. The <laughs> pregnant lady, like skateboarding down the street and people are like, Oh, are you okay? And I'm like, yep, I'm fine. <laughs> it's just like a flat road, you know, oh my it's, God. it's easier than walking honestly now. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. That's so funny. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Well, you definitely have an adventurous spirit. I can tell. Um, so, all right. Well, Ashley, before we go, tell people where they can reach you. Um, I'm glow body PT PT used to stand for personal training. Um, but now it's all online. So glow body PT all one word, and you can reach me anywhere on Instagram or Facebook DM. Um, and then YouTube, of course, I get back to as many comments as I can. And, um, my team helps. I have three girls on my team and they are actually all either military veterans or a military spouse. So they're all in the military community as well, which is fun from different branches. Um, yeah. And they just help me run Glow Body PT. So we try to respond to um, all comments and messages we get because we're really here to help and support you. That's awesome. And I will definitely put those links in the show notes for everybody um, so they can go check you out. And uh, Ashley, it's been awesome talking to you. And I, I know you got a little one on the way. So congratulations with that and um, best of luck. And uh, yeah. And uh, thank you for chatting with us on the Service Academy Sorority. Thanks, Victoria. I love chatting with you too. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit the Service Academy Sorority website to see photos, comprehensive show notes, and contact information for each guest. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. In addition, if you enjoy what you heard here today, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, 
please feel free to submit your contact information on our website at www.serviceacademysorority.com.